The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Welcome back to another episode of my story, Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and I'm so glad that you could join me on this Friday. Today's episode, I'll be discussing MCTD. Do you know what it is? And do you think it's connected to lupus? Also, I will be discussing sarcoidosis, and I will be bringing you the latest in healthcare news. And I have a special shout out to one of my followers on IG. So you know what I want you to do? That's right. Grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, And if you're listening late at night, you know I appreciate it. And come on and join me right here on my story, Living with Lupus. creating opportunities for people and families. You can contact this nonprofit organization at www.abundantharvestaquaponics.org. Motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and creator of Right Side of 50, Life Lessons with Sheila Smith. To book her for your next empowerment conference, contact her at rightside50 at gmail.com or call 404-447-6897. Welcome aboard. I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in each week and listening to my story, Living with Lupus podcast. But I want to let you know, you can also tune in on SoundCloud, 
Spricker Podcasts, and Podchaser. And you can tune in on YouTube also. I want to give a special shout out to Urban Media underscore TV. I follow them and they follow me. And I was watching their videos one day and they had me rolling on the floor. So check them out on IG. That's Urban Media underscore TV. Now let's talk about mix connective tissue disease. Do you know what it is? I'll give you a few minutes. And do you think it's related to lupus? Well, think about it. Okay, time's up. Mixed connective tissue disease, better known as MCTD, is a chronic inflammatory autoimmune disease characterized by joint pain, muscle weakness, cardiac, lung, and skin manifestations, kidney disease, and dysfunction of the esophagus. Mixed connective tissue disease describes a collection of symptoms that may have similarities to lupus scleroderma, and other connective tissue disease, but is not strictly diagnosable as one of those conditions because signs and symptoms overlap. Diagnosis of MCTD can be difficult as it may feature um, similarity in symptoms of lupus, scleroderma, and rheumatoid arthritis. In other cases, it's considered a condition on its own and never progresses to full lupus, scleroderma, or rheumatoid arthritis. MCTD can occur at any age with the average age of onset in the teens to 30s. Eight out of 10 patients are women. The disease occurs in all races and is found worldwide. The prevalence is not known, but it's thought to be somewhat less than lupus, which affects 15 to 50 people in 100,000. Now you may be wondering, what are the symptoms of MCTD? Usually include Raynard's phenomenon. Do you know what that is? Well, we I've talked about it in previous episodes. It's when your extremities, your fingers and toes will turn blue, causing increased sensitivity of the fingers and toes to the cold, changes in skin color, pain, 
and occasionally ulcers of the fingertips or toes, arthritic pain and aches in the joints and weakness and pain in muscles, especially in the shoulders and hips, swollen hands, sausage-like fingers, swollen or red patches over the knuckles, lung disease, including pleuritis, shortness of breath, and exertion, or more rarely, pulmonary hypertension. Lupus-like rashes, including a butterfly-shaped purple-color rash on the cheeks and nose bridge, spider veins on the face and hands, small patches of hair loss or thinning hair, shortness of breath, fever, swollen lymph nodes, abdominal pain, heartburn, hoarseness, difficulty swallowing, dry eyes and dry mouth. Now, in a small percentage of patients, Kidneys can be affected, but damage is usually mild. Now, when it comes to diagnosing MCTD, it is diagnosed when lupus, scleroderma, rheumatoid arthritis symptoms overlap. Blood work in MCTD patients may reveal high levels often greater than one and 1,000 of anti-nuclear antibodies, better known as ANAs, positive rheumatoid factor. High levels of anti-U1 RNP antibodies. Presence of anti-RNP antibodies. Presence of anti U170KD, antiphospholipid antibodies, moderate anemia in the long term as symptoms evolve, eventually lupus, scleroderma, or rheumatoid arthritis may be diagnosed. Now, the type of doctor that usually diagnose and treat MCTD is a rheumatologist experienced in the diagnosis and treatment of MCTD should be involved in treatment of this condition. Other specialists, such as pulmonologists, may be called in to help coordinate treatment, especially in the case of lung-related complications. When it comes to treatment for MCTD, it's similar to lupus, non-steroidal, anti-inflammatory agents are given to help reduce pain and inflammation and may be the only drugs needed in mild MCTD. 
low-dose oral steroids or low-dose methotrexate is reserved for more serious and debilitating joint inflammation. Things you should know. Now, with MCTD, symptom-free periods can last for years. In and around 13% of people, MCTD can progress and become more serious or life-threatening. Secondary Sjogren's Syndrome occurs in 25% of patients with MCTD and may cause eye symptoms and dry mouth. When we return, we'll be discussing sarcoidosis, so stay tuned. Don't go away. Did you realize that sarcoidosis is a chronic autoimmune disease that affects multiple systems of the body? In sarcoidosis, abnormal collection of dead tissue known as granulomas form in many organs, including the lymph nodes, lungs, liver, eyes, skin, and other areas. Sarcoidosis doesn't follow the same course for each person, just like lupus. Some patients will have very minimal symptoms, whereas others can have severe implications. And some people's sarcoidosis may go away even without treatment. In others, sarcoidosis will go into remission and then relapse over time. But the majority of people with sarcoidosis will have it for their lifetime. Sarcoidosis is an uncommon condition and occurs predominantly between the ages of 20 and 40. There are an estimated 25,000 cases in the United States, mostly women, and it's most commonly found in the southeastern part of the country. In the United States, sarcoidosis is 10 times more common among African Americans than Caucasians and it occurs most often in people of Northern European ancestry. In Sweden, for example, the disease affects 6.5 people in 10,000. The condition is almost unknown among Native Americans, Australian Aborigines, and Southern Asians. As with many other autoimmune diseases, there's no clear cause or trigger for sarcoidosis, but a slow viral or toxic triggering process is suspected. 
genetic predisposition also appears to play a role. Now, when it comes to the symptoms, in about 60% of patients, sarcoidosis typically develops over a period of several weeks with symptoms such as. Now, see if this sounds familiar to anyone who has lupus. Fever, night sweats, fatigue, weight loss, loss of appetite, shortness of breath, sometimes with exertion, hoarseness, dry mouth, tonsillitis, chest discomfort, tachycardia, which is fast heartbeat, um, abnormal lung x-ray, showing possible pleural effusion, small amount of fluid on the lungs, rashes, lesions on the face or extremities, raised pink or purplish areas, um, painful nodules, lesions under the skin, on the shins and lower extremities, dry eyes, blurry vision, tearing eyes, red nose, double vision, or light sensitivity, muscle pain or weakness. Is any of this sounding familiar? Aching joints, arthritic symptoms, arthritis, enlarged lymph nodes, headaches, and dizziness. Now, the eyes are affected in 15% of patients. In 40% of patients, onset of sarcoidosis is rapid and acute. Some of those patients fall into two syndrome categories. Diagnosis. Sarcoidosis can affect many organs and tissues. But most often, it affects the lungs. Diagnosis of sarcoidosis is, therefore, usually made by a chest x-ray, which can show inflammation or fluid in and around the lungs. Other blood tests, results that can potentially aid in sarcoidosis diagnosis, Include elevated erythrocyte segmentation, better known as ESR, hypercalcemia, excessive calcium, elevated alkaline phosphate, elevated anti-nuclear antibodies, ANA, elevated rheumatoid factor, RF, High immunoglobulin levels, elevated creatine phosphate, I'm sorry, low white blood cells. Other helpful tests may include whole body scan, looking for abnormal patterns in lungs or lymph nodes. 
tests, pulmonary function tests to reveal reduced lung capacity, elevated liver enzymes, especially alkaline phosphates. Now, the practitioners that people see when they have sarcoidosis is a rheumatologist, which is a practitioner best qualified to diagnose and treat sarcoidosis. Although some pulmonologists may specialize in autoimmune disease that affect the lungs. Now, when it comes to treatment, sarcoidosis is generally treated with steroids. Topical steroids may be used for eye and skin problems. Joint and muscle symptoms are generally treated with NSAIDs or oral corticosteroids such as prednisone to reduce inflammation. The small percentage of people who fail to respond to corticosteroids are frequently switched to the immune suppressive drug methotrexate or the anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine better known as Plaquenil. Physical therapy for improved breathing, interval exercise training to improve aerobic capacity are both important therapies for sarcoidosis. So, did any of that sound familiar to you guys? The symptoms of sarcoidosis, just like all other autoimmune disease symptoms. That's why lupus is known as the great imitator because it imitates so many other conditions that it takes time to be clinically diagnosed. When we come back, I'll tell you about my visit to the ER on Monday. So stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll be right back. He is the author of Positive Energy 24-7. And his latest book, It Was Destined, Urban Legend. He's Detroit's own author, Henry Long. To purchase an autographed copy of his book and to purchase his ebook, go to rightpath247.com. That's W R I T E. P-A-T-H-247.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at RightPath247.
If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. In healthcare news, a former VA doctor is charged with involuntary manslaughter in the deaths of three patients reported by CNN on August 21st, 2019. Allegedly, a former doctor at an Arkansas Veterans Hospital has been charged with involuntary manslaughter in connection with the deaths of three patients. Robert Morris Levy, a pathologist, entered false and misleading diagnosis into the medical records of patients in his care, contributing to the death of three of them, according to a criminal indictment. In one case, the indictment says, a patient died of prostate cancer after Levy had concluded that test results showed the patient did not have cancer. Levy had been the chief of pathology and laboratory medical service the Veterans Healthcare System of the Ozark since 2005, according to a Department of Justice news release. And guess what? He was fired in 2018 in a statement made before Levy was charged. Calvin Parks director of the Fayetteville VA Medical Center, offered his sincerest apology to the veterans and family members negatively impacted by this now-fired former employee, the Washington Post reported. They're looking at a lawsuit. According to the indictment, Levy not only entered false or misleading diagnosis into patient records, on two occasions he falsified entries to indicate that another pathologist had agreed with his diagnosis. He thought he was covering his behind. An attorney for Levy, Darren O'Quinn, issued a statement saying his client conduct had been the subject of mistreatments in the media. An indictment is an accusation only, and we are reviewing the accusations and collecting evidence There have already been some misstatements about Dr. Levy's conduct in the media. 
Dr. Levy maintains his innocence, and we intend to vigorously defend him, the statement said. Now, here's what tops it off the most. Levy is also facing federal charges of wire fraud, mail fraud, making false statements according to a news release from the Justice Department. Those charges stem in part from allegations that he defrauded the VA by concealing that he had not complied with the requirements of the Voluntary Drug and Alcohol Testing Program in which he was placed after the VA suspended his privileges to practice medicine in 2016. According to the news release from the Department of Justice. Now, Levy had been suspended due to unprofessional conduct related to high blood alcohol content while on duty, the release says. After completing a three Inpatient treatment program in 2016, Levy agreed to abstain from alcohol and other mood-altering substances and to submit to random screenings in order to return to practice and keep his job and medical license. DOJ stated, now honestly, he's a doctor. Now, they should have known he was going to get around it in some way, shape, and form. Test results from his blood and urine specimens taken from November 2016 to June 2018, came back negative for drugs and alcohol, according to the indictment. But on 12 occasions, beginning in June 2017, Levy purchased a chemical substance that allows a person to reach intoxication without it showing on a routine drug and alcohol screening. The G DOJ stated, didn't I tell you? Levy committed fraud when he continued to collect salary and benefits and performance awards while violating the sobriety contract. These charges send a clear signal that anyone entrusted with the care of veterans will be held accountable for placing them at risk by working while impaired 
or through other misconduct. Now, it should not only go for veterans, but it should go across the board for everyone. So, what do you guys think about that? Now, don't think that doctors aren't immune to situations like this, because they're not. No, you have some doctors who have mental issues and are medicated. You have some doctors who have substance abuse issues and they know how to hide it when it comes down to drug testing. Now, that's why I say it is so important for each and every one of us to get a copy of our medical records, go over them, sit down and go over your records while you're in the office with your doctor. If it's something that you don't understand, don't just walk out of that office. Ask questions and look at it this way. The doctor is working for you. So you should interview whenever you go see a doctor, a new doctor. You should sit down and have a list of questions and you should interview that physician and see if you like their bedside manners, their mannerisms. And some doctors have good bedside manners, you can tell, and some will pretend to have great bedside manners. And when you go back, it's like they're to a totally different person than you've seen the first time. Now, I'm going to tell you about my visit to the ER on Monday. You know, here in Michigan, the weather has been extremely hot. And when the weather gets hot and muggy like this, I tend to sweat profusely. I retain fluid. And, um, you know, your blood pressure can drop all due to my heart condition and um, pulmonary arterial hypertension. Blood pressure dropped down to 64 over 48. Went to the ER, had my mask on, but when you have an autoimmune disease, and I don't know if everyone is like this, but I'm speaking for myself. Even though I had a mask on, I could smell the sickness, the germs in the hospital, and it made me sicker, if there's a such word as sicker. It made me sick. Then, um, 
It was a young lady across the hall. She started throwing up. I looked at my sister and I said, Lord, I'm hit. I'm hit. And I said, all of this odor is coming through this mask. And um, it, 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 oh my God. My height of smell is great. And germs and sickness and fever, I could smell it. But one thing which I thought was to be very sad, it was an individual in the next pod. I call it a pod. And this person was asking the doctor about his situation. And he said, the patient said, wait before you start. How much is this going to cost me? Because I have no insurance and I'd rather get up and walk out sick. I don't have a means to pay. In this day and time, it should not be like that. So the doctor told him, don't worry about it. I won't enter this part into the computer. I'm going to see you. I can't let you walk out of here sick. But there are still individuals, families out here with no health insurance. And their sentiment is the same as the gentleman who was in the pod next to me. They would rather be sick than to go to the emergency room and have a high bill. It should not be that way in this country. And um, it was just sad. It was, it was truly sad. That was my experience in the ER. Even though I became sicker than what I was, my concern was for that individual in that next pod. And I thought about it, and I told my sisters, I said, hospitals should have it set up where if you do not have insurance, have someone from your patient financial services office come in with a Medicaid form to fill out and have it submitted along with the hospital bill to the Department of Social Service. No patient 
should walk around saying, I don't have insurance. I'd rather just go on and get up and leave and see if I can get over whatever I'm going through. Health care is a right. And also, knowledge is power. There exist so many people out here within the inner city and communities who are not knowledgeable regarding their condition, regarding how to go about to get assistance to help get insurance so you can see the doctor. Look at it like this. The majority of the people out here are elderly who are making choices to either pay their rent, pay for medication, pay for a light bill, or pay for food. They don't know how to go about and receive assistance. There are a lot of us who exist in the lupus community who have a presumption that lupus involves the flares, the pains, the medications, the hair loss, the nasal and oral ulcers. Lupus is more than that. And that's why I started this podcast to give you my knowledge, my educational knowledge, my knowledge in the medical field, my knowledge also in the public and private sectors. That's why I'm bringing this to you so that you will know that it's more to lupus than what I just stated. Lupus causes overlapping conditions. Some may know and some may not. Lupus is misunderstood. No, there is no cure. Only experimental drugs No physicians can't cure us. They can only treat the symptoms so that we may have a quality of life. And what that quality of life is, is different for each individual. 
No one with this illness should have to commit suicide. That's right. No one should have to commit suicide. And people, if you don't know, now you know. There have been many who have committed suicide because they could not have taken the pain or they didn't know where to turn or they thought this is not living. But I'm here to tell you I'm a living example of living with lupus with 39 plus overlapping conditions. Yes, I've had a heart attack and I kept going. Yes, I've had strokes and I got up and kept going. This podcast is not only for the newly diagnosed, but it's for everyone especially those with lupus. I want you to know that it's more to lupus than what you see others go through. Be careful where you get your information. Be careful if you go on social media and join groups. Just be careful because I'm not knocking any group, but it can get depressing. And you may say, if you're not strong enough, you may say, well, my God, I can't deal with all of this that's going on. Don't put yourself into a deeper depression. But I don't discriminate against anyone who is suffering with a chronic illness. You're more than welcome to come on and tell us about what you have been going through and how you turned that situation around and overcame and you're living your best life to the fullest. Thank you for joining me for another episode of My Story Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and I'll see you next week. Have a safe and peaceful weekend. The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any 
medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lucas podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you.